Hallelujah. All right. Without taking too much time, let's go to Second Chronicles. I'll go straight into the word for today. Second Chronicles. I'm going to be teaching today. Second Chronicles chapter 20. And because we've been standing for a while, I'm going to ask you to sit as we read the scripture together. I know you're sitting, but in your heart you are standing, all right? Because we stand to honor the second person of the Trinity. Second Chronicles chapter 20, reading from verse 15 to verse 18. I'm going to be teaching this morning, or rather I'm going to be treaching. Uh, so a little of teaching and preaching in the middle. And I hope that you will connect with the treaching of the pastor this Sunday morning. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Are you there? Second Chronicles, that's where I want to position us this Sunday morning. So if you're there, Second Chronicles chapter 20, very popular scripture. Let me just take off from verse 15 and to 18. Can we read together? And don't forget, if you don't read out loud, I'll make you stand, okay? So you're sitting, but I want you to read with zeal. So clear your throat and relax and adjust yourself. If you're slouching back, sit up because I want you to project, all right? One, two, go. And he said, how can ye... Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, thou king Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. I can't hear you. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and you shall find them at the end of the brook, before the wilderness of Jeruel. You shall not need to fight this battle. <laughs> Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah... And the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. For particular emphasis today, I want to take my uh, emphasis from verse 17. So let me read to your hearing. And the Lord speaking to Jehoshaphat and the host of Judah says to them, You shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves. If you have a Bible like my Bible, you're going to see uh, an, in italics something written above it, uh, a letter, just telling you that there is more to the word set. And if you click that Bible, like my Bible, you will see it says the word position yourself. So he's saying that you can use an alternative word for the word set. And some translations actually have it as position yourself. So let me now, having that in mind, read it again. Verse 17 says, you shall not need to fight this battle. Position yourselves. Stand ye still and see the salvation of the Lord with you. He says, you will not fight this one. There is no need to worry because you're not going to fight this one. All I want you to do, God speaking to them, is to position yourself. If you can position yourself, I will do the fighting. If you can position yourself, you will see the salvation of the Lord. For a topic this morning, and already as advertised, I want to title this, Position Yourself for Prosperity. Look at somebody say, Position Yourself 
for prosperity. But if you're flying and you're stylish like me, you just want to call it position yourself. So can the guys uh, uh, titling the sermon course call it position yourself? Look at somebody say position yourself. Uh, say, say take the right position. Take the right position. Say everything is in the way you position yourself. Uh, so come on, can you say position yourself? Say make sure you're sitting properly. Make sure you're standing properly. Make sure you're moving properly. Make sure you're visible. Make sure you're attentive. But what you've got to do is to position yourself. Look at somebody else. Say position yourself. For the prosperity of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. What a privilege to come before your throne. What an honor to be used in times like this to bring a word to your people. Your precious, important, very valuable people. And so I do not take it for granted that you've chosen me at such a time as this to bring this timely message and instruction to the church and to your children. And so, Father, for this reason, I hide behind the cross like I always do, knowing that I'm nothing but just flesh. All I desire is that you inhabit me once again and that you pull out a word from my mouth using my tongue that I hand over to you to write upon the hearts of those who are here this Sunday morning, giving somebody an instruction and answer to whatever issue, trouble facing them. I ask, oh God, that you magnify yourself before the people that they see what you can do and what you have already done move like you always desire to move i hide all of my idiosyncrasies my proclivities shortcomings and inner decreases behind the cross and say do what only you can do in the brevity of the moment in jesus mighty name we pray don't abandon me oh god but let your power rest on me to speak life to everybody listening this Sunday morning. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody shout a believing amen. Come on, shout a believing amen. If you're so excited as I am, shout a loud amen. That amen is standing on one leg. Shout a loud amen. That amen is standing like it's paralyzed. Shout a loud amen. That's what I'm talking about. We know the text in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, but I'm just going to try to recap in about a minute or two. We know about King Jehoshaphat, who is the king of the smaller part of the nation of Israel called Judah. Um, so that Judah, Israel as a nation, as a big nation, has 12 tribes. But sometime along the line, there was a split. And for that split, they now had the little, the, the 10 tribes came together to form the nation of Israel as we know. And the capital was in Samaria. And then the other two tribes came together, which is Judah and Benjamin, to form a very small tribe, a very small nation with the capital in Jerusalem. So it was small, and at this point, they had a king called Jehoshaphat. And then one day, Jehoshaphat woke up to discover that there, was, that there were three big kings coming to attack him. The king of Moab the Seerites and the Ammonites, big nations. They were coming and they were coming for war, for blood. They were coming to take him out. And so he considered that in this, this the, in fact, he was so sure he was going to lose the battle So because he was nothing in size compared to the nation that was coming. And they were coming prepared. They called them a multitude were coming to attack him and his little nation. So the Bible says he ran to God and he began to cry out to God. He, he proclaimed the fast and said, Father, look at what they want to do to us. These are the same men you asked, you told us not to destroy when we we're coming out of Egypt. Now they want to wipe us out. 
what are we going to do now? Because we can't do anything. You know they're going to destroy us. And God does what he always does. God came and inhabited one of the priests who stood as a prophet, who ministered as a prophet, and then he brought forth a word to Jehoshaphat. Let me start by telling you this Sunday morning that whenever you go to God to pray, I beg of you, never leave a place of prayer until you have a word of revelation or instruction from God. Because there are two things you get when you go to pray. The first thing that you get, that you hope to get when you go to pray, is that you leave with an instruction. So prayer brings revelation and wisdom, instruction. God will always speak because we serve a God who speaks to us. So, so when you speak to God and you cry out to God, God is going to give you a word. He's going to speak to you. Uh, it's very important that you know that, that that part of speaking is the real answer that you're looking for. And then God will speak to you. And the other thing that you might also get is the power of God resting upon you. So God will often do the things he wants to do with his word. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 that the worlds that we see today were created by the word of God. God does nothing except he sends out a word. In fact, it is so big to us or it is so mighty, so important, the word of God, that when it was time to save humanity, the word came down and became flesh. It was still the word that was sent. So words are powerful. And that's why when you come to church like this, you must open your ear for the word. We came here after giving God praise. We want to hear God speak to us. So the word, when God is speaking, that's not when you should be sleeping. You don't want to be distracted because that's what you came for. You came for a word from God. Look at him and say, you came for a word from God. I came here for a word. I didn't come to look at you. I didn't come to look at her. I didn't come to just dance. Of course, I want to praise God. But I came here with a word. And as I'm speaking here, I'm also asking God to give me a word for me too. I need a word. So God did that and God gave them a word. And then when God gave them the word, God said three things in his word. He said, number one, fear not. This battle is not your own. It's my own. And I want to start by telling somebody here, I don't know what battle you're going through right now. I don't know what you said you did or didn't do. I don't know the kind of chaos happening in your life. But I want to announce to you that as God gave them a word, God is giving you that word today. He says to tell you this Sunday morning that the battle for your education, the battle to pay your fees, the battle for your marriage, the battle for your soul, is not yours, it is mine. I will fight for you. Look at somebody and say, I'll fight. God says, I'll fight for you. If you believe it, somebody shout, yes, Lord. He says, I'll fight for you. Number one, this battle is not yours, it's mine. Just don't bother. And then he says, the second one again, just like the first one, he says, you will not need to fight this battle. That all I want you to do, the third thing he says, all I want you to do is I want you to set yourself. Position yourself. That's all you need to do. Position yourself where I want you to position yourself and stand still in that place and you will see the victory of the Lord. You will see me show up for you. So the next thing God says is position yourself. And I want to, and as I meditated on this scripture a few months ago when God gave me this direction for this month, I said, I, I, God, God said, look, tell them to just position themselves. The most important thing is to position yourself. 
and allow me do what only I can do. There are some battles you can't fight. There are some enemies that are too big for you. There are some things that are out of your control. You have to stop trying to worry and trouble yourself over it. All you need to do is just find God's word, position yourself there, incline your heart and see what God will do. But because I'm teaching this Sunday morning, I want to explore the word position and that's why I want to position us today. And I want to look at three ramifications of the word position. Look at somebody say position. And I want to look at those three ramifications. The first one, I want to look at the mental or positioning of your soul. Before I get there, before I get there, I got ahead of myself. You see, man is tripartite. You know that we're three in one, right? I've said that over and over again. Man is a spirit. Okay, let's say this for, for the sake of those who are new. Somebody say, uh, man is a spirit. Oh, come on, I can't hear you. Say, man is a spirit. Oh, you're not talking to me. I say, man is a spirit. Uh, one more time. Say, man is a spirit. Ah, uh, man is a spirit. Man has a soul and man lives in a body. One more time. Say, I'm a spirit. Come on, say, I am a spirit. I can't hear you. Say, I'm a spirit. I have a soul and I live in a body. I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. Therefore, the real me is not my body. Uh, look at somebody said, the real me is not my body. It's not this flesh you're seeing here. See, my head might be big, but that's not the real me. Say, my face might be skinny. Oh, I can't, you're not preaching with me, but that's not the real me. Say, my, my, my knee might be bent, but that's not the real me. The real me is my spirit on the inside. I'm a spirit. I only live in a body. Paul says, at some point, I'm going to take away this tabernacle and put on another tabernacle. So the real you is not what I see. The real you is your spirit on the inside. That spirit has a soul and that soul lives in a body. So when God speaks, God speaks to your spirit, speaks to your soul, speaks to your body. And today as I talk about position, I want to just share with you that it's important that in this season of the nation and all the battles we face in Nigeria, now we have economic battles. While we are not Jehoshaphat who was going to war, we have massive economic battles to face. Is there anybody like me who knows that I have a big economic battle to face? <laughs> Hello? Uh, okay, some of you are. God bless you. Ah, you guys are big boys, man. Uh, yeah, financial battle. Our bills packing up. There are other issues, many things to do. So they are, they are massive in there. So while he had a physical battle, we have other battles. Some of us is marital battles. Singlehood battle. You've been battling with this single thing for a long time. Some of us is battling to be fruitful in marriage. Some of us is battling to even stay in marriage. Battles with our health different battles we have different battles all around us and sometimes these battles are bigger than us so he said so I want to share with you three positions first of all position your soul or rather your spirit position your spirit number two position your soul number three position your body and in the next three weeks I'm going to teach on each of them so the first thing I'm going to talk about today is to position your soul for prosperity Position your soul for prosperity. Now let me start teaching. Position your soul for prosperity. I know that the title says position yourself, but now position your soul for prosperity. Look at somebody say position your soul for prosperity. The soul is a very, I've deliberately left spiritual or spiritual, oh, let me go this way. Position your, your soul, your spirit is what I call spiritual positioning. Number two, Position your soul is what I call soulish or mental positioning. 
Number three, position your body is what I call bodily or physical positioning. So these three positions are important if you are going to enjoy prosperity in the times that we live in. If you are going to enjoy victory in the battles that you face, you must learn to position your spirit right. You must also learn to position your soul or your mind right. And you must learn to position your body right. Or else you will not enjoy the salvation of the Lord. Oh, I don't have time to go into salvation. But on Thursday I was teaching and I said that the word salvation is a very complex word that doesn't just mean salvation or deliverance from sin, but also deliverance from poverty, deliverance from sickness. So when you hear salvation is a, is a package deal of not just uh, saving you from death, but also for you to prosper. So when God says, I saved you, what he's saying is that I have also prospered you. Well, let's look at that. So for those who came for midweek service, that is their extra food because I'll continue on that conversation this week. So what I want to deal with today in the brevity of time is the positioning of the soul so that the soul will stay in the place where it enjoys prosperity. Are you with me so far? All right. Now, what is the soul? The soul is that part of you that is divided into three. It has the mind, which is what I'm going to focus on a lot today. It has your emotions, and then it has your intellect or intelligence. So, the soul of man houses three parts of the man. The mind, the mental, the brain, the thinking capacity, the, re the reasoning capacity of that man. And it also ha houses the, the soul, the emotional elements of the man. And lastly, it also houses the intelligence or the intellect of the man. Today, I'm going to focus on the mind. I'm going to focus on the mind, the seat of reason. You need to learn to position your mind the way God wants you to position your mind, especially in the seasons that we live in, where there's a big battle facing us, or else you will not see the prosperity that God has in store for you. Everything ends in you being able to position your mind. And let me start by giving you three scriptures. Open your Bibles quickly. Let's go to the first scripture as I talk about positioning your mind. Scripture number one, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Very popular scriptures. Uh, Romans 12, 2. Romans 12, 2. Come in the scripture. Romans 12, 2. He says, Be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that ye may prove what is the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God. It's a very popular scripture, but I want you to take time to consider what he says. He says, be not conformed to this world, but let be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, why should you renew your mind? You should renew your mind is because it is with your mind that you may prove. That word prove there is an ancient word, but it actually means that you may recognize and partake. No, no, you may, that you may, you need to renew your mind because if you don't renew your mind, you cannot recognize, you cannot partake, you cannot enjoy the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God. Because if God is going to bring his good and perfect will to you, he's going to have to pass it through your mind. 
to the mind is that important. Because when we got saved, our spirits were saved and the blessings of God were locked up in our spirits. But in our spirits, you don't enjoy them physically. They, for them to be enjoyed physically or enjoy manifestations around you, the blessings God has to find a way to pass the blessings from your spirit, the real you, through your mind to your body so it's of any benefit to you here. That's why the mind is the key executor of the manifestations of the blessings of God. Did you get that? It's the mind that implements the manifestations of the blessings of God. Not You can't enjoy anything in this realm except it passes through your mind. Your mind is key. So Paul was telling them, I beg you guys, stop conforming to the world around you rather try to renew your mind when your mind is renewed then you can access then you can re even recognize and you can enjoy what is the good the perfect will of God for your life it has to pass through the mind your mind is important your mind is key hallelujah the mind let me give you another scripture because of time Taught John 2. Taught John 2. The importance of the mind. And what we're looking at is how to position your mind so you will enjoy prosperity. So I'll, I want to, I'll keep saying that so you don't lose me along the track. I know exactly where I'm going to. So look at the second scripture. Third John 2. Popular scripture again. Third John 2. Are you there? Third John, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul. Prospered. I started by saying that the soul is the house of the mind. So you can actually say, uh, uh, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy mind prospereth. So as your mind prospers, your finances or your physical life prospers and your health prospers. So it is dependent on your soul prosperity. Mind prosperity determines financial prosperity. Mind prosperity determines physical prosperity. So Paul, or sorry, John, writing to Gaius, presumably one of the pastors or the, the elder of one of the churches, uh, home churches, he's telling them, look, uh, this is my prayer for you that God has done so much for you, uh, but until your soul prospers, you cannot really enjoy it in your body. You cannot enjoy it in your life. So your soul has to prosper. Your mind has to prosper. Look at somebody say, your mind has to prosper. Your mind has to be positioned. If your mind is positioned, everything will be positioned. All right, let me go again. One more scripture. Proverbs chapter 23 verse 7. Another popular scripture. Proverbs 23 verse 7. Let's go quickly. These scriptures are essentially saying the same thing. Proverbs 23 verse 7. He says, As for he thinketh, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The word heart there is a word in the Old Testament that we always used to, it was used to represent sometimes the soul, sometimes represent the spirit. In this case, is representing the soul that houses the mind. So you can actually say, for as he thinketh in his mind, so is he. This is important. This is the anchor text here. As he thinketh in his mind, so is he. So that means everything, the true presentation of you, of everything you're experiencing all around you, 
is dependent on what you are thinking. I said a lot about this last month at midweek service. I just tried to bring it back here again. So the experience you're seeing all around you, listen to me very carefully. Keep that scripture there. Everything you're experiencing around you, this text is saying that it is coming out of you. For as a man thinketh in his mind, so is he on the outside. He did not say, as a man confesseth, so is he. I love to make confessions. They're important. But it's not what you are confessing in church that determines what happens around you, really. He did not say, as a man prayeth, so is he. I love to pray. And you know I pray. <laughs> I love to pray. I spend time to pray daily. Soaking myself with God's word. And praying. But he did not say, as a man prayeth, so is he. He did not say, as a man singeth, or praiseth. Voted, I was just done, oh, victory, victory. It's true. It's good to praise. But as a man prayeth, praiseth, so is he. No, as a man thinketh. Now, those things, prayer, fasting, praising are designed to do something at the end of the day to walk with the way you think they are designed to change the way you think your prayer life must be changing the way you think your your praise life must be changing the way you think your fasting life must be changing the way you think because it's only when they change the way you think that it affects the world around you am i making sense this sunday morning so any prayer that is not changing the way you think you're not praying right any praise that is not changing the way you think, you're not praying. Any sermon you listen to that is not changing the way you think is not helping you. Because it's meant to be changing the way you think and then the way you think will change your experiences all around you. Everything comes from the way that you think. Look at somebody say, it comes from the way that you think. Now, when I say the way you think, I don't mean what you're thinking of right now. Obviously, Maybe 70% of you are thinking of what I'm saying, isn't it? I know that 30% of you are thinking of what you eat when you get home. Or maybe, let me say 10%. And then 10% is eyeing that guy that did not say hello to me. Can you imagine? After I came to church looking like this, I walked by him. He didn't even recognize me. What's wrong with this man? After now, he'd be texting me at night, in the evening. He couldn't even say something. <laughs> The other five percent are saying, Imagine this lady, she thinks she's all that. That's gotten long hair now. So, somebody will not rest because her hair is longer than mine. I will not rest again because I'm in church. She wants to flaunt it for us to see. Some of you are even thinking, What's Pastor wearing? This is bogus shirt. <laughs> this is bogus cloth. What is this bogus is wearing? Well, I'm comfortable with it, it makes me feel free. That's why I'm jumping today. You know, I know that's what you're thinking of. But that is not what determines what happens around you. What happens around you or the manifestations around you is what you are thinking of when you are not conscious of what you are thinking of. Let me take that again. Somebody say, Pastor, say it again. What is determining what is happening around you is what you are thinking of when you are not conscious of what you are thinking of. Because all of us have things that we are unconsciously thinking of. Every time you're thinking of it. Every time you're thinking of it. Uh, you know, when you remember that it's not right to think of it, you say, oh, Father, help me. I won't think that. I'll change, use a confession and change it. But you go back to think of it again. You keep thinking of it. You keep thinking of that matter. Some of us, we are single. So you keep thinking of it. Your whole life is predominated by you. It's covered by you at your singleness. 
When will I marry? When will I marry? When will I marry? Every time. You are worrying over it. Worrying over it. That is what is causing the things that are around you. What you think about when you are not conscious of what you think about. The subconscious thoughts that you think of. That you just drift and begin to think about. That is what is determining what's happening around you. I'm saying all this because I want to go somewhere and land somewhere. So pastor land. The most important and the most negative thought pattern that is our problem in the church, in Africa, in the world is poverty thinking. Poverty thinking. Poverty mentality. That is what is generating the poverty you see in Africa. Generating the poverty you see in Nigeria is poverty thinking. Now you don't have to be poor to have a poverty mentality. In fact, most of the rich people in Nigeria have poverty mentality. That is why they keep stealing more and more and more. Because in their minds they are poor. That's why the average Briton, when you travel out, they don't really bother themselves with all of this nonsense. <laughs> They don't, when, you, when you go to the UK, for example, you don't see the car British driving Range Rover, driving uh, all those big Pogos cars. It's the Arabs, it's the Africans, it's the Pakistani guys that have come from poverty. So they want to now flex. So just check very carefully when you travel again. You will see a car Briton, Britico. Well, he just drives a small car. He's small. Smoke or better still, go to Netherlands or Holland. I haven't, I haven't really been there. You see them with their bicycles. <laughs> you see big men with bicycles. You see, you see the, this man going to shop. What's his name? With the other prime minister, the prime minister, the one that just left. Is even the one that's there now. The one that they showed the other time going to shop. You know the, the current one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going to the neighborhood store to go and shop for himself. Simple life. Go to the neighborhood just to go and buy milk and little thing or a pack of cigarettes to smoke. It doesn't bother them. But when you see the blacks that have touched more money, most of them from drugs and cocaine, 419, they are the ones that would get ranged spider. Just know that that man is poor. In his head, he's struggling with something. Poverty mentality. The greatest thing that is causing everything around you is your poverty mentality. When you break out of poverty mentality, then you begin to generate prosperity around you. That is why Paul was saying you must renew your mind from poverty mentality. That's why he was saying as, as your mind prospers and your mind is not held back, John says, by poverty, but as it prospers, that your body and everything around you will prosper. That's why Solomon in Proverbs 23 says, as a man thinketh, so is he. So all the things that are negative happening around you is because of what you are thinking about. It's your poverty mentality. And I'm going to pray and ask that today you must make up your mind that I want to get rid of this poverty mentality. Poverty mentality. There are so many ways you can explore poverty mentality, but there's just one way I want to exploit this Sunday morning. Are you with me so far? I want to show you three symptoms of poverty mentality using the principle of giving and receiving. Giving and receiving. There are other ways I can exploit, but today I want to use the principle of giving and receiving to help you diagnose whether you have poverty mentality. Are you with me so far? Have I lost anybody so far? 
you know, so a young man, a young a little boy gave me a huge compliment as I was coming to church this Sunday morning. He said, oh, I love to hear. Hello, Pastor, I love you. He said, some pastors, when they preach, I don't understand what they're saying. They say, oh, well, Pastor, I love it when you preach because I understand. And for me, that is a validation of my simple truth uh, revolution, gospel. It should be simple so that uh, the simplest, youngest person should be able to get it. And yet it should be intellectual so that those who, are, who like to think will think too. So it gets you thinking, but it's simple enough to get it. Hallelujah. So let me simplify once again. I want to simply, there are many ways I can discuss poverty, poverty mentality and poverty thinking. Um, but there's one way I want to use today. I want to use the principle of giving and receiving. Are you with me so far? Let's go to one scripture. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Let me just establish something before we continue. Philippians chapter 4, I think it's from verse 13. Let me get the scripture. Philippians chapter 4, ooh, verse 15. Paul, speaking to the Philippian church, says, Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. So Paul is saying here that no church communicated to me about giving and receiving because... The giving and receiving are tied together. Giving and receiving are tied together. Giving and, what did I say? Giving and receiving are tied together. So he says, no church communicated to me concerning giving and receiving except you. Giving and receiving are tied together. So whenever there is giving, there should be receiving. And giving should always precede receiving. So, three symptoms that you have poverty mentality. Number one, if you always think of receiving more than giving, you have a poverty mentality because you are swapping it. You always think of receiving more than you think of giving. Instead of thinking of giving before you think of receiving, you have a you are suffering from poverty mentality. It's always give me, 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 give me. Fact, it has been proven especially outside the country where they have welfare systems, that those areas, the Bronx, all those low, the projects, those low-income areas that, that live on welfare, they continually remain poor, even though they are giving them welfare. You won't believe it. They pay for their houses. They do, for, they do everything for them in those countries. They pay for their health care. They pay for child care, yet they are poor. They never break out of it because they are focused on receiving and never think of how they will give. What that does is it continues the perpetuating the cycle of poverty. And that is why in Africa, for example, we are poor and we will continue to be poor if we always run outside the country to get AIDS. And those who are doing it know exactly what they are doing. They are propagating poverty thinking. They come to you and say, we have help for you, come and collect. Because the more you are receiving, the more they are perpetuating poverty thinking. They are not getting anything from you. They now look for a way to, ex to explore, exploit you at the back. That money you think they are giving you, they have made one billion from behind you. And they give you just peanuts. And then you see all the African leaders running around, Nigeria running around. And then they even give you the aid. Because you are so poor, you whack the whole money. You don't even do the thing they ask you to do with the aid. Do you understand what I'm saying? So because of that, continue to be poor. Poverty. Poverty. Because anytime you think of receiving more than giving, you are battling with poverty mentality. So let me ask you a question. When was the last time you gave something to somebody? 
When was the last? I don't mean, don't, I, I'm not even going to come to offering. Even though I'll come to offering, church offering, I'll come to that later. But let me even start from the basic one. Before you say, Pastor, I like to talk about money. Even though we don't talk about money in this church. When was the last time you gave somebody a shirt? When was the last time you gave somebody a Richard card? When was the last time you gave somebody water to drink? Bought somebody a bottle of Coke? When was the last time you gave somebody something? It's always give me. Give me. So we now have this poverty, stricken, entitlement mentality that you must give you. That we are the poor ones who must be given something. You will continue to be poor if you want to stay on the side of giving or receiving more than the side of giving. Jesus even said, or Jesus the Paul said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. The giver is always more blessed than the receiver. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So one sure sign that you are battling with poverty mentality is when you cannot give. And sometimes it's not just giving your money, but even giving your time, giving your resources. You know, I was excited a few days ago, a few weeks ago, when I saw the pictures from Children's Church, and I saw some guys who are in Voltage going to help out with Children's Church. They are giving, maybe they were not singing that day, and they decided to make them their skill, their time available to go and be a blessing, to give back to the children. You know why? So that some of our mommies and our pastor's wives who are there all day and night can at least come in and hear the word of God. So they are giving something. What are you giving to God? What are you giving to the church? What are you giving? Never receive when you have not given. That's one of my principles. If I haven't given, I don't want to receive. Because receiving must precede giving. No, must. The other way around. Giving must precede receiving. When was the last time you gave? Give offering, you will not give offering. Pay tithe, no. Special seed, no. Some of us still give offering of 50 naira. Sometimes when they are comfortable, I come, I go, 50 naira? That cannot even buy one Baba Blue. How much is Baba Blue now? Baba Blue is 50 bucks. Three, four hundred naira. If you don't have, if you have 59, they cannot give you two. I know because I buy Baba Blue. You know Baba Blue? That's more sweet. I like to buy it. So if you have 59, they will not give you two. They'll give you one. So that we don't have change of 20 naira. But they will say three for 100 naira. Baba Blue. How much is pure water? Is it 20 naira? Okay. So that's two, 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 two packs of pure water. And I know they've reduced the pure water. Have you noticed? It's no more as big as you used Somebody say yes. Yeah. They've reduced it. We they drink it now. <laughs> reduced it. Once in a while, you drink an hour. They can't kill me now. If I'm not drinking pure water, it's not because I think it will kill me. What's there? Anything I drink, they die. Die inside of me. If there's any parasite, die inside me. So that's my point. When was the last time you gave? Give in church. No, you will not give. Yet you want to receive. But you are the first to go out there when they are giving out things. You want to come and receive. But you don't give. Somebody say, I don't have, I don't have. You have something you can give. Right. And it might not even be money. You have something you can give. You can give your presence. You can say, you know what, I don't have money, but I can stay here and pack equipment after church. I can start. There are many things. I don't have time to go into that, but you must make sure you are giving something. Like I said, I don't collect, receive, except I've given. Because what right do I have when I have not given you? Maybe giving you a word. 
The Bible says when I communicate, is it wrong? Paul saying, uh, it's not wrong for, well, after I haven't communicated spiritual things to you, for, to you, to receive kind of things from you. I don't expect anybody who have not blessed with the word to give me anything or to be a blessing to the ministry. It has to be those who have been blessed. Those who have poured into their lives. It's where you give that you can stand in a position to receive because after giving comes receiving. Am I talking to somebody? So one sure sign that you have a poverty mentality and that is what is creating the poverty around your life is that you don't like to give but you like to receive. Number two. The second sign is that you take <laughs> instead of receiving. Oh, Let me say that again on this side. You take instead of receiving. They are different. Taking is different from receiving. Taking is when you have not, you have no rights. You have not done anything that is worthy for you to, be, to receive or to go and accept. And then you just go and take it. Taking is like stealing. You take. It's not your right. You have not been given the permission to go and access that thing. But you stretch your hand to go and take it. Receiving is you have a right. You have given. So you are now in a position. You have the local standing and authority from heaven to expect. So when you are given, you now receive. But taking is you are not giving. You go and you go and you go and go and put your hand in to take it. And I'll give you one classic example. And that was what brought the fall of mankind. Genesis chapter three. You see Genesis chapter three verse five. Genesis three five. A typical example of taking when you have not been given. Three verse six. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired. This is deep now. This is for those deep people. And uh, the tree to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof. She was not given the fruit. She was given every other fruit in the, in, the, in the garden. God said, of every fruit in the garden you may eat. So God gave license to grab anything. But this one, do not eat it. But she, so in other words, God gave them every other thing, but did not give them this one. Now they went to take what was not for them to receive. And that taking was what brought their downfall. They took. They took. A man who is poverty, who has poverty mentality, we always want to take when it's not his right to take. That's the problem with our leaders. They take something that is meant for everybody. They go and take it. They are thieves. And you can even extrapolate it to other things. You see a woman, she's not your wife. You have no legal reason to want to go and know her. But you go and take from her. Illegality. You have broken a principle. Because you have, you have no right. You are not given the authority to access it. You have gone to access it. You have taken where you shouldn't have taken. That is something is wrong with your mind. Don't take what you have not been given. Wait until you're given. In fact, etiquette demands that when you go to a place... And you come into the place and they set a table. Just don't go and take until you are given, you are served. It is illegal. It is out of etiquette and out of poverty, mentality, and hunger. For you just walk in and just go and grab it. No. Until you are given. 
God has given us so many precious, precious, precious promises in the Bible. These ones you can go and take, but this one don't take. Only take or accept or receive what you have been given. That's the point I'm trying to make. A poverty mentality will always be driven by another thing other than poverty mentality is lost that makes you go and take, but that's for another day. So lost, lost will drive you to go and take something that is not yours, has not been given to you. Do you know that even Jesus, even God had to obey that principle. God could not go and take mankind away from the hand of the devil until he gave. He had to give his son. It was on the premise of giving his son that gave him the legal right to go and take mankind. Do you think that God couldn't have slapped the devil? (laughs) Who are you? A manger. Come on, give me my mankind. What's wrong with you? Because you deceived them. I, um, come on, shout. I, I know I promised you that you go to the bottomless pit after 1,000. I can put you there now. I am God. Uh, you know, do you know who I, who I am? <laughs> I know I told you bottomless pit uh, uh, maybe at the end of the millennium, but I can't do that now. I don't have time for I don't have time to waste. These people are important to me. God said, no. I will come down. I will give myself. And by giving myself, I will now receive so many of me. That's the principle of giving to receive. God did not forcefully go and take. God gave. So in this world, there are takers and there are receivers. Which one are you? Are you a taker or are you a receiver? Ask your neighbor, are you a taker or a receiver? In fact, even in the secular world, you're chilling out with a young lady, she's smiling at you. Oh no. You're born again, so you shouldn't even be doing that, going that direction. But let me just go there. You're born again, you shouldn't even be doing that if you're not married. If, even if you're married, yes, as a matter of fact, if you're married. Your wife, you probably, you probably just loving each other. But she tells you, no, stop, stop, stop. For some reason, best known to her, I'm using the married couple now. Stop, stop, stop. And you go ahead and force your way through. You have taken. She did not give you. You took. That's rape. Even in marriage. Talk more of unbeliever. You are a clear before marriage. The kind of punishment God. The devil is not the devil that will punish you. Even the devil knows that one is even wrong. There is fornication there. You are not adding on top of rape on top of fornication. So the devil said, I will even yourself. You know, you know, it will make you even fornicate more. You go rape. God, I will deal with you for this place. Because she didn't give you, and you just took it. Am I am I talking to somebody? Ask your neighbor. Say, are you a taker, or are you a receiver? Are you a taker or a receiver? Takers are criminals. Receivers are righteous people, are good people. Then the last thing before I go. You know you have a mentality of poverty if you are a hoarder instead of a giver. These are very simple things, but I'm glad I'm bringing it out before you. That's why I said I'm going to treat. Glory to God. I'm going to treat. A hoarder. And you're not a giver. Look at me. Oh, no, all is well. They're sorting themselves out. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 to 26. Look at this scripture. It says, There is that scattereth and yet increaseth. And there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but tended to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered 
also himself. He that withholdeth come, the people shall curse him, but blessings shall be upon the head of him that selleth it. There is he that scattereth, yet the person increases because the person is starting a cycle of giving and receiving. It's a cycle. It's a cycle. The more you give, the more you receive. The more you give, the more you receive. The more you give, that's how it works in the kingdom of God. The more you give, the more you receive. But the more you hold back, the more you lack. The more you, you see, eh, the worst thing you can do to yourself in this season is to hold back on your giving. As dry as the economy is, it will become drier for you. Because like water flowing to a tap, this, once there is a drop passing through, it will keep flowing. But when you dam it, the other part of it will become dry. You must be giving. You must be giving. The worst thing you can do, you say, oh, there is scarcity. There is scarcity, let me hold back. That is the worst thing you can do to yourself. Because you are setting a trap that will cause things not to happen around you. Givers never lack. And lackers never give. Is anything like that? And lackers never give. Givers never lack. So positioning your mind for prosperity is telling yourself that I'm going to be a giver. God says, if you can position your mind towards this teaching or towards this, my idea of prosperity, that I will show you the salvation and the prosperity of the Lord. I'm back to my text, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. If you can position your life to be a giver, to give, there are different ways you can give. We can't go into that now. But let me just go very quickly. You can give to the poor and those who are around you, people who are in need. Some of us have clothes in our wardrobe we have not worn this year. It should not be there. It should be given to somebody. Some of us have, you have so many wigs. You have at least 10 wigs. Hello. <laughs> but there's a lady who needs one wig. Who is still wearing that wig they sell on, in traffic? You know, there's a wig they sell in traffic. One day I stop and I say, How much is this wig? <laughs> okay, let me leave it. <laughs> Let's leave it. You can wash that wig and give it to somebody else. How many can you wear at once? So you can give to those, your, those around you who are in need around you. Then you can also give to, to the, 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 for causes, different causes, projects, motherless baby, you know, different causes. You can give to that. You can give to parents, your parents, wherever they are. Give them your time. Give them resources. Give them money. Give them whatever things they need. They need another, give them whatever attention. Give them help. Call them up give, then you can also, you should also give in church. Give your offering. When you're coming to church, you have to prepare and say, this is my offering for the day. I'm coming to give God. Why should you give? You're not giving God because God is hungry. Psalm 50, God said that I have the cattle on a thousand hill. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. I would just grab it and eat. Psalm 50 verse 12. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. They, the world and they that dwell therein. God has innumerable things. He doesn't need it. But it only shows that you are setting up the, the principle for the portals to be opened so you receive. 
give offerings. Don't let the devil lie to you that in this season you will not give. You will, you, you, it, will be, it will be far worse after this season because you are the one creating the world around you. Give your tithe. Some have arguments about the tithe. Some have worries about the tithe. But in this church, we don't pay tithe because if you don't pay, you'll be cursed. That's not why we pay tithe here. Maybe in those other churches, not here. You are not cursed. The only thing is that you are telling God that I admit, I agree, I honor you. You are the one who has blessed me with this. The most important part of this, and I want to honor you with it. This is honor and obedience and love for God. Anytime you say you can't do it, what you're telling God is that uh, this thing that you give me, I like it more than you. I can't release it to you. No, 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 I can't release it to you. My life depends on it. You think that that 10% can keep you? Somebody will say, oh, I, I, I want to have plenty money, then I'll start paying my tithe. It's a lie. If you can't pay when you're earning 10,000, you can't pay when you're earning 1 million. And your tithe is 10% of your increase. 10% of your increase. That's giving. You are giving to the work. You are giving to, 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 to access the blessings of God upon your life. But most of mind that on a very on a spiritual level, then on a physical level, you are giving for the work. Everything you see here requires money. Have you ever asked yourself, how much have I even contributed to these things that are here? How much? If it was left for you alone, would we still be here now? If you were the only one funding. That's how you should think. That's on a physical, on a, on a natural plane, natural level. But on a higher spiritual plane, this is, you are doing this in honor to God. Some of us are hoarding, hoarding, hoarding. 1,000 naira is too much for you to give in church, but you cannot even pay transportation. So you to go, he's small in your hand, but he's big in church. And then, how I know that some people are very, uh, they're, they're, they're not proud of it is because the way they squeezed it, they squeezed the 15 iris, they squeeze it. And they say, let, let their right hand not see it. Let your right hand see it. If you are proud of it, let your right hand see it. You know why? Because even Jesus, when they were giving the offering, Jesus stood by the, the how did Jesus know that the, the widow gave her might? Jesus was looking at the offering bag. He was looking, let me see, all of you are coming to the temple, dancing and singing. Let me see. One of these days, when we're doing Thanksgiving service, I'll come and stay here. I'll not give envelope that day. I'll say, come, let me, let me see. I'll look at your face. And if I do it, I will not be wrong. Jesus did it. Then after that, I'll not come and preach a sermon. That's what Jesus did now. He saw, they finished giving offering. You know, here we give offering after the sermon. In the temple, they give offering before the sermon. So when Jesus saw the offering, they're now going to preach. He said, can, can you imagine? Some of you with your beautiful clothes. Purple color. You, you were dancing at Jesus. See the offering you gave. But this woman was with the poor widow. She was staggering. And she dropped her one mite. And to me, she gave more than all of you. Look, I don't know about you, but you see, in this season, we are going to prosper in this church. We will not lack anything good in this church. All the bills we are going to pay. And guess what? You too will pay all the bills that are ahead of you. We are not going to, we are going to prosper. God is doing great and mighty things. Ah, I have to, oh, I have to end with this testimony. Because it's very dear to my heart. You know, last, last Sunday, I was talking about the 10 people. 
that were part of the nine people that were part of my nine, God decided to surprise me with a tenth person. So at the end of service, I went to dedicate a car outside. Yes, somebody in the church like you, like you and me. You know the car? Range Rover. Range Rover autobiography. Full edition, full specs. In a season when they say there is no money. Oh, did I tell you never believe the lie that there is no money? That is another part of poverty mentality. If you keep telling and say there is no money, you are poor. There is money. And how did the person get it? He was talking to his friend who just bought a big car. He was telling me that the car looks like a plane inside. So this is friend was, they were just in between inside the car. So he now said his friend, ah, friend, and he walks with the person too. So the guy, ah, this guy said, you go feel enter this your old car after this new one we don't buy. How can you enter this old one again now? He said, ah, I go drive, I go drive. Him. He said, no, 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 no. Ah, give me this old one now. That's the old one is the Range Rover, autobiography. He now said, ah, I don't forgive you, I don't forgive you. How much you get? How much you get? Give me 20 million, make I give you. He said, no, he now said, he said, how much you get? He said, I'll, I'll give you 10 million. He said, how can 10 million? They go cost me if I lose 10 million. This guy, which was 50 million. I, I bring 20 million. So I'll not get 20 million to give you now. This is a conversation happening when they say there's no money. Hello? There's money. There's money. There's money. Then the guy now said, in fact, you know what? Just take it safe. I don't even want to collect money from you again. He said, you mean I'm? He said, I mean I'm carry and go. I don't want again. That's why he gave me Range Rover. That is what they call <laughs> lifting. <laughs> that one is not lifting. That's enthronement. <laughs> so he said, he, said, he said, Pastor, this is what the Lord did. He told me then. I thought it was a joke. Then he landed in church with the car. I said, I'm going to bless this car. <laughs> for me to, as the Lord has done for you too. I'm a giver. I have to receive. And the truth is, that young man that God blessed like that is a giver. And to this project that we're doing, I know how much of his blood has gone into it. There is no way he will not be blessed. It's impossible. It's impossible. I don't even have to pray about it. It's just the, the life it's just God. It's just the cycle of giving and receiving. He has given, so he must receive. He has given, so he must receive. It's, it's, it's simple. You know the thing about this? Unbelievers even know this principle more than Christians. They know it more than us Christians. You, they have to cajole you. They have to, I told God I never want to cajole anybody to bring a cobble. Never. If you called me, you will provide the resources that we need. And by the grace of God, I also tell you guys, I'm one of the biggest givers to this local church. By the grace of God. And there's no way I will not receive. It's impossible. And I'm dealing with the poverty mentality to myself. Oh, because sometimes, God says give. Do this funny person. Come on, I'll die. I will die. You will not die. If I die, if I give it, I will die, I will die, I will die, I will die. You will not die. You shall live to declare the counsel of the Lord. The Bible says that Isaac sowed at a time of famine 
And in that year, he reaped a hundredfold and he grew, continued to grow until he became very great. The economy does not have to prosper around you for you to prosper. What has to prosper is your mind. That's everything I'm saying. Once your mind prospers, your world around you will prosper. God does not bless you according to the economy. Uh, John 2 did not say, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, even as the economy of your nation prospers. Is that what the Bible told you? Is that what you read? That I wish that you be prosper and be in good health, even as your company prospers. Is that what God told you? No. God says, as your soul prospers, everything around you will prosper. So, position your mind for the prosperity to come by getting rid of poverty mentality in different areas. My prayer for you in this season, church. When we come next week, I'm going to talk about spiritual positioning. And then I'm going to also talk about physical positioning. It's also important. So that just as you position your mind, think well the thoughts. Open up the scriptures and look for the scriptures that talk about your wealth and your inheritance in Christ. And dwell on that. Those scriptures that tell you that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Ah, I shall not want. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall grow and continue to grow until I become very great. Exodus chapter 26 verse 22. Ah, behold, I shall be fruitful. The Lord has made room for me and I shall be fruitful in the land. I am blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the country. I'm blessed when I wake up. I'm blessed when I go out. Everything that I need to prosper is located on the inside of me. So when I open up my mouth and release the blessings of God around me, money is coming my way. God is giving me ideas, witty inventions. He's creating value to the things of my hands. And then when I produce the things of value, resources come into me in this season. When every other person is trained, there's a casting down. I will declare that there's a lifting up. It's getting better for me. I'm getting bigger. I'm getting richer. I'm getting wealthier. Good things are happening around me. I command good things around my family. I command good things around my business. My Everything around me is colorful. Colors all around me. Is there anybody in here who is able to say, I will increase. I will grow. All around me, better things. Great things are happening upon me. I shall not be poor. Put your hand on your head and say, Father, deliver me. For every kind of poverty thinking that makes me hold back. Oh, somebody open up your mouth. Hey, kaba, da, kaba, da, kaba. I shall not be poor. I shall not be broke. When it's time to give, I will give. I will give to various causes. I will not be lacking in that grace. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Like I said, this is more of changing your mind than even praying for you. The prayer I'm praying is so that you can go and hit your head when you get home. Stop thinking like a poor man. You're not a poor man. You are the child of God. Co-heir with Christ. You have all that you need on the inside. Look at somebody and say, you have all that you need on the inside. Stop looking at people to help you. You can generate help by yourself. You be a helper of somebody beside you. Look, 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 look. look. No matter who you are, there is somebody that you are better than. Do you know that? There's somebody that you're better than. Some people could not even find their way here today to hear this message. You are better than that person. You know, we have buses that go to pick people around the bus ministry we are building. Some people, you have access to the bus ministry. Some don't. Because they're too far away. So that is, you're better than them to an extent. So don't tell me there's nothing you have to give. Don't tell me you're not better than somebody besides you or somebody somewhere. Find those people that you're better than and be a blessing to them. 
blessed. You have a job. Others don't have. They are paying you 30,000. I know, but at least you have 30K. Some don't even have anything to eat. So you are better than that person. So you can be a blessing to somebody. Find somebody to be. I want to bless you. Hallelujah. Amen.